0: Gig Gab, the show for working musicians, episode 317 for Monday, September 6th, 2021. and welcome to giggab the show by for and about working musicians here back here in durham new hampshire i'm dave hamilton
1: here still here in napomo california it's paul kent
0: <laughs> I, I didn't see you in napomo mr kent but i did see you in uh in san jose
1: last week that was week. so nice it, it's been a while how long since we've actually seen each other i mean it's probably been
0: I don't know, two, probably three, three years? two
1: or three years.
0: Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Right. It's I mean, it's certainly been since, you know, the pandemic began and, and probably six or eight months before that. So, yeah, yeah. No, that was years. great.
1: It, you know, it's one of those things I'm, I I knew you were coming, but still I'm playing. And then all of a sudden that familiar face and his beautiful wife starts kind of wafting closer to me. I'm like, ah, <laughs> my buddy's here.
0: Yeah, it was um, it was a serendipitous thing. So I was out. Uh, I flew out. We took last week off because I flew out to portland to drop my portland oregon to drop my son off at college and when we were planning the trip my wife and i we we wound up only being there's an airbnb in portland we love to stay in and we stayed there but they were they weren't available for the full time that we would have wanted to be away after we dropped our son off you know we we liked this idea of having a little bit of empty nester time you know and and uh we did it in portland last year and it was fine there's a lot of hiking to do you know it was a good thing to do in pandemic days and um, so we were like, "Oh crap, we can't stay," and so we sort of left the end of the trip open ended and thought, "Well, maybe we'll drive up to Seattle, like just because the Airbnb is not available, we don't have to go home." And then I was, you know, this is late spring, early summer. I was looking at the Fish touring schedule and realized they were going to be in Tahoe right after we dropped off our son at school. It was like, "Hey, maybe instead of Seattle, we go down to Tahoe again and and check out those shows?" Unfortunately, so that was our plan. We, you know, booked everything, bought the tickets, all the good stuff. Unfortunately, the Caldor fires. Um, have left a huge impact on Tahoe and it's, it's not a good scene there. It certainly wasn't last week. And, um, and so uh, we knew when we were leaving for Portland that we were not going to be going to Tahoe. Like there was just no way these shows were going to happen, but we didn't know what was going to happen. We kind of figured the shows would be canceled, but there was this rumor floating that they were going to relocate the shows. That to me seemed like far too many logistical gymnastics to be realistic. And yet, when our plan landed in Portland, uh, I turned on my phone and saw the, all the messages coming in saying, uh, "Shows have been relocated to Shoreline in Mountain View California and I was like oh holy crap i've always, I've heard about that venue i'd love to go there and of course, tickets were honored so it was a quick little it took you know a very minor amount of logistical gymnastics on our own to reschedule flights and book a new hotel but um, but that put me in an area where I know lots of people, including you. So it was amazing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. No, it was great to see you. Again, I will give you another public apology. So, you know, I borrowed a Cajon hoping you were going to sit in with me. And uh, when I packed up my car for this acoustic gig, you know, it's a sound system, a couple of guitars, a couple sure. of things, I the, the Cajon was sitting there, you know, smiling at me. And Not I part of your routine. It. Yeah. Yeah. Threw me off. So, um, <laughs> but I'm glad. But then, you know, I, what I love is that we've made these connections together Uh, you know, you and Simon from my band, Simon's from New Hampshire. He, you met him. And you did a gig with him in New Hampshire one time, which was actually really cool. Yeah, I now played, you know him.
0: I played, um, I mean, I played with him the first time I played with him was with, with the House Rockers, I think, when I sat in. And I I think I'd gotten to know him before that, just coming to House Rocker gigs. But then, yeah, yeah he texted me when he was coming to New Hampshire and and uh, he was like, hey, man, you know, can I, I want to play a gig. You want to do it with me? And it was like, "Yeah, of course. So we did a kind of a rocking, you know, up, upbeat acoustic kind of thing for a, sure. a graduation party out here, which was great. So
1: yeah, it was. Good. I love it. Yeah, yeah, I love it. So you, you went up the street and uh, you sat in with uh, Simon's combo, which he affectionately calls the Bro Show. You are bro, now a bro, bro. And,
0: bro and company,
1: or whatever it is. Yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah, yeah. He had a he had a you know kind of the same thing that we did when he played out here. He he had a, this he has this sort of upbeat you know up tempo acoustic kind of rocking thing where it's him and usually somebody playing percussion and usually his brother playing guitar. And, uh, along with Simon playing guitar. And, uh, so, you know, I mean, that's, that's what we do in monkey fist all day long. So he was like, Hey, want to sit in? I was like, yeah, this is old hat. The funny yeah. part was, you know, that gig out here was his first, really his first, like gig as a band leader, right. You, you know, yeah. at least in a long time. And he, I, I'll never forget. It's really funny. And I'm sure he remembered this too, which is why he did what he did, but uh, I'll never forget. You know, he came out and he was scared, and he, you know, he's like, I, "We got to make sure this works." I'm like, "Yeah, it's gonna be fine, man." You know, and I, I brought the sound system; everything was good. And uh, and I know how talented he is, right? Like, I I I didn't know that this was a first for him, right? I didn't know that he was nervous or anything. And and but then when you know we got there and he was like, "Okay, well, uh, you know, I only sing these songs. We do it this way," and it's like, "Yeah, okay, fine. So whatever, great. It's gonna be great, Simon. Like, it's low key gig anyway, and um." And then uh, for whatever reason, take it easy came up in the set list. He's like, you sing lead on this, right? I'm like, no, you sing the lead. We've been singing harmonies all day at that point. We'd already figured like the three of us, him and Amy and I, uh, like we, Amy, a friend of his from New Hampshire that played the, you know, the three of us played the gig together. The three of us, I, I mean, within the first half of the first song found our way harmonically. And it was just, that was it. We were off to the races. Like every song had these three part harmonies that were just blowing us all away. And um, it was a true pleasure. And so when he said you sing Take It Easy, I'm like, no, man, it's going to be better if, we, if you sing the lead. And he did. But this was not part of the plan. Right. Like and so yeah. he was. And so I went and said, you know, so now fast forward three years or whatever it is. And he's been doing a bunch of these gigs. And he's like the, the most he's such a great band leader. He's a great frontman. He's like totally comfortable working the crowd and working the band and making everybody feel involved and all that stuff. And and uh, his drummer, Don Frank very, very graciously invited me to, to come and sit in. And so the first song I played with him, he looked at me. He's like, how about take it easy? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's funny. Uh, and so uh, he's obviously sang it and, um, and, you know, we played along and, and had fun and, and I played a few more songs with him after we finished our dinner and it was a great night. It was a really fun, you know, it was like having dinner with, with old friends is, is yeah. because that's kind of what it was. They were, you know, they were playing and we were, we were, Lisa and I were for the most part sitting there eating, eating and, Um, It was great. Yeah. It was a
1: a good night. No, it's good. You know, I'll just say, you know, Simon, I love him to death. He is, he is one of the greatest bandmates I've ever had. He's, he's thoughtful, he's, you know, prepared, he's prompt, he's, he's, you know, he's just great to play with and uh, necessity is the mother of invention. You know, when, and when COVID took house rocker gigs away is really when he started doing, you know, aggressively seeking out these, these acoustic gigs, and he does some solo. He does, you know, he yeah. does and he does a great job with it. But, you know, he, he, what, what he really likes is having a small combo together. He does have his brother will play acoustic off most of the time. Yeah. Don, Don Frank, who's you know kind of a Bay Area, very played it. with Ronnie Montrose, played with the Doobie Brothers. I mean, you know, Don is the real deal.
0: Yeah. But I want to take a minute and, and first of all, again, thank Don for inviting me to sit in. I never ask when I go to see Friends bands, you know, because I, I know what that's like. It's weird, yeah. it, you know, but he... He almost insisted he and he's such a nice guy, but really, on top of that, he's such a fantastic player. his feel, yeah. his time was just <laughs> like oh my god, like i mean most most drummers that you go see can keep decent time like but but when you come across somebody like Don it it's special like he really has it together i mean he, i i and i say he has it together like he's some you know kid starting out like of course he has it together but it like he he really blew me away
1: really blew well, me away well i'll tell you a funny yeah. story so so uh i had the pleasure of having don play with me in a little winery band i had mm. you know for a while that was just kind of a pickup thing and you know knew him to be great i was introduced to him by a buddy who did a um fogerty tribute and that's the first time i get to play with him sure but um we had a weekend where Russ couldn't play house record gigs, and I asked Don if he wanted to do it, and he said, yeah, and so we sent him some stuff to prep, and interestingly, the the first of the two gigs, um, he was feeling his way through, and he, he sure. um, you know, again, time was never an issue, all those types of things, but, you know, we wanted him to cut loose. We, we said, you know, go for it, man, play. And the next day, you know, we were kind of like, like, you know, good player. You know, we'll get through the gig, you know, it's a sub thing. Sure. Dude, he let loose. (laughs) He was absolutely the star of the show. I mean, everybody in attendance that day watching the House Rockers play was just blown away. Not only, you know, again, time is great, but the unique things that he can do as a drummer. Yeah. And some of the, you know, some of the ways that he would fill space or not fill space were just Unfreaking believable, and across the band. I mean, everything. You know, like you've done it. It's not terribly easy to sit in with our band. Some of the things we have a couple of things you got to really pay attention to. You know, ten ten guys, spaces at a is at a premium. He. I mean, literally, it was one of those things where you have a sub. Like you did, actually, it was like this when you sat in with us as well. We've been very blessed to be careful about who we choose to, to, uh, to be able to, on the rare occasions that we need a sub drummer. Yeah. So, you know, but, but Don owned that show. It was two years ago on a Sunday, That's actually awesome. coming up two years ago. Yeah. So hats off to Don Frank. He's an absolute gem on top of everything we're saying about his drumming. Probably one of the nicest guys you could ever meet. Uh, yeah, in he's life.
0: definitely a nicer guy than me. And uh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he really. He, what I, it was? Yeah, it was so, so much fun just getting to meet him and, and play with everybody and all that stuff. So yeah, no, well, it, good. it was good. Hey, I want to take a minute, and I, I don't want to have a moment of silence for Charlie Watts. I, I want to have a moment of talking about Charlie Watts. Yeah. He he left us with enough silence, so um, but it, you know I. I posted something. There was a a great little moment that happened at the Toronto benefit, the benefit that happened in Toronto for SARS. Um, And this was, you know, 10 years ago or so, both the Rolling Stones and rush played at this. And just as rush is going on stage, Charlie comes up uh, to Neil Peart and introduces himself. Neil's kind of Neil told the story in one of his books, uh, which was funny to hear, but you know, at first he, he had no idea that he was in like show mode. They were like literally a minute from going on, you know, he's putting his ears in standing at the side of the stage, like just getting ready for, you know, for somebody to point him towards his drum stool. And this guy comes up and starts to introduce and, you know, and and then finally, of course, Neil realizes who it was. And I posted about this story because I said, wow, you know, here, here we have two legends and now they're both gone. And, um, uh, somebody commented and said, um, You know, if, if Neil Peart came up to me at a gig, I wouldn't, I I, I would ask him, you know, where the, where the bathroom was or something. He's like, but if Charlie Watts came up to me at a gig, I'd know who he was sort of reversing the story. And it made me, it it gave me a thought. It was like, man, what a, there's so many people I, and I have seen it happen on both sides of the spectrum because these guys were two very, very different drummers uh, in terms of, you know, how they played and how they filled space or didn't fill space um you know and and Neil of course played a whole lot more notes uh, probably in his life than Charlie did but they were both fantastic drummers and for people who dismiss well either one of them but I want to talk about Charlie for people who dismiss Charlie Watts because of his seemingly simplistic playing i i, I encourage you to take the time to listen and get to know the material and, and his feel and how he really accomplished what he did, because I don't think the stones could have happened without Charlie. He, you know, he, he's a jazz drummer, right? Hit the stones were his day gig. That was his, as, as is often called in the pro industry, the house gig, right? The gig that pays for your house. Um, but, but it wasn't his passion. Not, not that he didn't enjoy it. Right. You know, he, I think what did, what did he say? He says, I've gotten, uh, I, I, I feel like I've gotten more from rock and roll than I've given to it, uh, you know, but uh, but he gave so
1: much to rock. I
0: I disagree with that statement.
1: I, I think it's. Uh, but who cares about it? I mean, you know, why is simplicity a, a bad thing? You know,
0: well, I think it's that I, I don't think it's that it's a bad thing. I think that it's easy to overlook Charlie like it's like it's easy to overlook Ringo and say, well, I mean, all they did was play time like they didn't do anything you know, Char- Charlie just sat back and played and 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 didn't, you know, he wasn't ever the star of the show, except he was always the star of the show. Uh, right? Absolutely. Right? You know, and and so it's, it's not always about how much, you know, how many notes you can fit in. I mean, certainly, you know, I, I grew up on prog rock. Neil Peart was, you know, one of my big, you know, drumming influences. I, I, there is plenty of room for that like uh, and and thank goodness for that but there's also plenty of room for what charlie did in the stones and um and i i i encourage everybody to listen to it the the, if you ever wanted a great example of linear playing you know charlie was the first one that showed it david garibaldi sort of took it in and went in a different direction as have many other drummers but you know, linear playing meaning you're not playing. You're you're only hitting one hand at a time, and sometimes only one limb at a time. Uh, you know that Charlie thing. Try that sometimes, drummers. You know, yeah. instead of playing straight eighths on the hi hat and hitting two and four on the snare, play you know, play only one eighth note. You know, one beat, one hand per eighth note, and and leave one open for the snare, and and then and do that for like an hour with a click track. And maybe just maybe at some moment you'll get into the zone and it'll actually feel comfortable. And that little moment is what ch- was where Charlie Watts lived his whole life. Yeah. And, and, and he was like, he not only made himself, he not only himself was comfortable playing that way and just leaving so much room for that backbeat that he made everybody else super comfortable with it. And that was the key to the stones groove
1: but well, a reinvention the, of pocket, right? I mean, just, there's, yeah. there is no pocket like the Stone's Pocket.
0: No, but also then go listen to 19th Nervous Breakdown. And I challenge any drummer out there to play that song, that drum part, the way Charlie played it. It's, it's really easy to, to, to overlook, but, but the whole part is this like swung fast swung eighths on the ride cymbal ding 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 but faster than that right and then 2 and 4 on the snare it sounds like just a straight ahead rocker because that's what the rest of the band's doing but charlie's got that truly swung not even like the ringo sort of half swung eighth notes like it's a ding 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 shuffly like super fast shuffle on the ride cymbal going all the way through the tune and that's what drives the buzz so and it's hard. I like. I have a really hard time playing that song the right way. Yeah, <laughs> Char- yeah, yeah. Charlie's way. Yeah. So,
1: so um, you know, I haven't been able to work a Springsteen reference in for a long time. But uh, <laughs> Springsteen's drummer Max Weinberg wrote a book about drummers, right? Yeah. And and in the forward, Springsteen wrote the forward to it, and his quote is, "As much as Mick's voice, voice and Keith's guitar, Charlie Watts' snare sound is the Rolling Stones." Yep. When Mix sings, it's only rock and roll, but I like it. Charlie's in the back showing you why. <laughs>
0: yeah, it, that's that's I, yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's a shame to have lost Charlie. It's a pleasure to have lived at the same time he did uh, or at least some of the same time he did and get to not only experience the music he was making, but but actually experience it live. Uh, I, I consider myself really fortunate to have seen the Stones um, as much as I did. He he always owned it. You know, he seems like such a light hitter and he is not like, you cannot, it, it doesn't matter that you have amplification and all that. You cannot drive a stadium show by being timid on a drum set. Um, You know, I, um, it just doesn't happen. Charlie, yeah. Charlie owned every room they played in and it was
1: fantastic. <laughs> Without so. a doubt. What's your favorite Charlie, Charlie Watts drum part?
0: Oh man. I mean, it, it might be, God, there's so many that I like for so many different reasons like 19th nervous is is certainly you know up there uh i I really like brown sugar uh, you know the way he sort of made that super tribal kind of thing happen again without adding extra notes right he 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 played exactly as much as needed to be played to convey that that groove but yeah that brown sugar groove I like a lot um and and you know the beginning of start me up That song started as a reggae tune. And as soon as you know that and you understand one drop reggae, then you can hear why Charlie played on the one with the snare the first time through. Right. Right. Because it's it's like, oh, we're going to play this one drop. No, we're not. We're going to play it, you know, straight to four kind of thing. So uh, so I always like that little creativity bit. And I had no idea up until just a few years ago that it originally was, you know, kind of conceived as a reggae thing. And then it was like, ah, wait a minute. Yeah, that, that's why Charlie did that. Like, that makes a whole lot more sense now, because otherwise it's really screwed up. But I like that. Like, he had that way of saying, here I am, you know, and and he was always there.
1: So I would say, uh, give me shelter. I think there's an ISO oh. track of that floating around somewhere where if you just want to hear the drumming. and But I would also, I, I have to say, the, the greatest drum intro of all time to me is "Hunky Tonk Woman.
0: Well, sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right. Like you know, and that's a fun one to play. He, Charlie didn't do this, but that's a fun one to play. You know, the cowbell, and then play the right. the you know the 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 hits that bring it in. But that yeah, boom, bah, boom right? You know, yep. like so perfect. So <laughs> Two perfect. notes and you're in, man. Like, <laughs> yep. Hey, uh, if you are not already using Bandzoogle. Our sponsor for this week to manage your band's website, to host your band's web presence, to host your electronic pressed kit. Pressed kit? No, it's just an electronic <laughs> press kit. Now is the time to do that, because you get to go to Banzoogle.com, you get to try it free for 30 days, and then you get to use our promo, giggab. So there's three Gs, only two of them are together, G-I-G-G-A-B, to get 15% off your first year of any subscription. And Banzoogle's amazing, because they have all the features you need for a pro website, Then they're already built in. And that includes, you can host, including a custom domain name, which is a really good idea. Dozens of fully custom design templates, so you don't have to – you're not starting from whole cloth. You are choosing from one of their design templates, and then you get to customize it. But the cool part is these templates are built to work everywhere in every web browser. Like, you don't have to think about that because they've already thought about it. And then they've got all these commission-free tool- tools. It's true. Like everything that you can sell your music and merge commission free. You can do your crowdfunding and fan subscriptions commission free. You can do a mailing list and all of that stuff to send newsletters and you get live support from their musician friendly team. Usually musicians themselves, as I've encountered seven days a week. And like I said, because you're a listener to gig gab here, you can go to bandzoogle.com. Try it free for 30 days. And use the promo code GIGGAB, that's all one word, to get 15% off the first year of any subscription. Banzoogle.com, promo code giggab, and our thanks to Banzoogle for well for sponsoring the episode, but also simply for doing what they do. So
1: thanks, Banzoo. They, they are awesome. They're proud host of the House Rockers.
0: Oh, nice. That's right. Yep. Of course they are. Yeah, of course. Very cool. All right. We have um we have two questions from you all. And I want to start with uh, one from Kevin here. He says, uh, I'm not sure how familiar you may be with Milwaukee Summerfest, which claims to be the world's largest outdoor music festival. It's across 10 days, across multiple stages. And this year, because of COVID, um, it's, they're doing it three consecutive weekends in September instead of 10 days straight. Uh, He says the band play has played every year going back to 2007, and this this year is no different. The festival announced a couple of weeks ago that anyone attending performer, worker, patron has to either show proof of vaccination or a negative covid test within uh, the three days taken within the three days prior to uh, attending the festival. Uh, So I'm and he says, uh, is this a sign of things to come? I thought you guys might find it interesting. It's funny. I had this before I saw your email, Kevin. I had this subject on the uh, on the the the, on the agenda for today because I've had an interesting go with this. Um, I don't. I'm vaccinated. I'm happy that I was I, I, I got the vaccine as soon as I was able to. I don't like telling our fans what to do. I don't like telling them that they need to sit or that they need to stand or that they need to dance or that they can't dance or that they can't dance, they can't dance with a drink in their hand. And so I've always sort of left that up to the venue. And we have a gig coming up on Saturday night uh, here on September 11th. It's at the in the barn at a private home and here in in Durham. And it's uh, it's going to be it's actually it, it's a fling organized gig. Uh, it's a kind of mostly original focus night. Uh, we have a band called the church ladies that we've played with before. And then a band that fling has never played with before bitter pill is also playing this gig. So I'm playing twice uh, in the night and our, our whole it's in their barn. We've done gigs there before and they're always very sort of loosely open to, you know, people they don't know, but are friends or fans of the bands that are attending to come to these things this time, they said, you know, our host said we um, we want everybody there to be vaccinated. No testing, no none of that, and it's all honor system. They don't want anybody checking at the door because it's all friends of you know people. It's realistic to say that the honor system in this sense would work, and uh, and I was actually I was more than fine with that. I like that. I you know, um, but I as as fling I had always or I had over the last you know few months said you know as fling I don't know that we want to mandate this. Um, again, it just going back to, I don't want to tell people how to enjoy our music. Um, we're going to do what we do. You do what you do. And if, yeah. it, if you like it, it, you know, great, you know, now, I mean, if enjoying our music means that you, you want to, you know, go and, and beat people up. Okay. Well then, you know, we're probably going to ask you not to come to the gigs, right? Like, you know, if your enjoyment impacts someone else's enjoy- enjoyment, like that, that's where your freedoms, in my opinion, end, right. You know, you, you do you as long as everybody else can do themselves. And I, I've, that's just always kind of how I felt, but I like the idea of playing in a room of vaccinated people. Uh, yeah. The concerts that I saw in Sh- at shoreline in mountain view in your area or your old area last week uh, were mandatory vaccine or, uh, you know, test within 72 hours prior to the start of the show or something like that. And, and they checked passes on the way in. They were. Pretty good about it the first night, at least from what I could see, although I heard it got more lax as as more people came in the second night. They were really tight about it. They sort of revamped their their logistics of getting people in and and really checking people. In fact, one of the guys looked and saw Lisa's birthday on hers. And I was like, oh, I don't think you you know, I don't think you qualify. And she's like, yeah, I qualify. And she had to kind of point it out. But they were actually paying attention, which was, you know, interesting to see. And I I definitely liked as someone who experienced plenty of COVID anxiety, I really liked being in attendance at that event, knowing that, you know, everybody was either tested or vaccinated for the most part. I'm sure there's people that, you know, snuck by the system one way or another. But but in general, you know, that that felt like I was more comfortable there for whatever reason. So. Mm -hmm. um, So, you know, this is is this a sign of things to come? I absolutely think so. Uh, You know, I think. Certainly more and more venues, I'm seeing it around here, uh, are are starting to mandate this. Um, But I'm curious what you think about it from a a, well, in general, but also just like would you as as like, you know, Paul Kent Solo or the House Rockers ever say we are going to institute a or would you do that now? I don't want to. Put you yeah, in a yeah. position of saying never, because we all get the, the we all reserve the right to change our minds, and I'm I'm sort of in that mode, like d- you know, how, do I feel differently about this than I initially did? Like, which is okay, you know.
1: Well, I think that's the discussion. So, my assessment of this is we are right now in um, the next phase of reality of what's going to yeah. happen moving forward. So, so when we, you and I did a year of shows, got any gigs? No, you know, we're waiting it out. You want to stream, <laughs> You know, we did a year you know, like, like, damn, when is this thing going to be over? And I remember my own position was bitterness at musicians who were still going out and, and trying to play somewhere saying, you're, you're gathering people, you're prolonging, how, this is before vaccines. Sure, of course. You know, you're, you're part of the problem, right? Mm. Do you want to be part of the solution or part of the problem? I just did a gig that was really crowded and I felt very conflicted about it. It was great to play for that many people. Yep. There are no outdoor mask requirements in our county in in sure. that county. Sure. Right so so you know if 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 you go by the public health officials are driving the bus on this and certainly in Santa Clara County they were very very strict about it. They 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 were over strict about it. There is not a mask requirement for outdoor events. They encourage people to avoid large crowds, but this was a large crowd. Sure, you know it was probably three to five thousand people. Um, uh, I felt very conflicted, and actually within the band, I got guys. We need to have a, an agreement in the band that you know how we're gonna how we're gonna behave. I said I believe we should mask until we start performing try not to go out and mingle with fans, you know, stay backstage before do your gig, you know, and get out. And the guys, you know, I saw, they all kind of nodded in agreement or, you know, whatever, but um, you know, it's, that's hard, especially these outdoor gigs, people, you know, find their way backstage. They want to hug you. They want to say thank you. You know, all these types of things. I, but that said, we definitely are watching a new reality. You know, I just saw, you know, several bands have canceled, my buddy Brad Maddox was supposed to be out with Stevie Nicks. She canceled her tour. Um, there was a huge festival here called Bottle Rock up in Napa um, that Chris Stapleton pulled out. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I'm actually not positive if he was a COVID specific reason, but Stevie Nicks was. Um, and we're just kind of watching. You know, there are mask mandates indoors. There, um, you know, again, if you if you say. I, I would agree with you. In some places, not,
0: not not everywhere,
1: right? Hey, no, I'm talking about here. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, well, okay. most counties here have returned to mask mandates for indoors. Yeah. Um, I will agree with you that at this point in time. So my initial bitterness that you know musicians shouldn't be part of the problem and sure. getting out the con- I would be like now. Public health officials are asserting their positions on this, you know, all yeah. over the world, and you know that's okay. Uh, it's not the band's requirement. I don't have any problem with bands on stage and certainly we do this telling people please stay safe be please be cool to each other oh, you know sure, we still, of course. we're not do- we're not done with this yet. You know if you feel the need to you know to to preach a little bit you know I don't I don't have a, a, an essential problem with that. Um but I do think personally it's kind of everywhere. So vax mandates are one angle of this. Canceled shows are another angle of this. Oh, yeah who has the juice and all this type of stuff, you know, the artist or the, or the, you know, the booking agency, you know, or the tour managers or whatever, you know, it's evolving rapidly. There seems to be more of a, I would say there seems to be more of a of, of velocity towards Vax mandates to enjoy indoor music. Certainly. Although you just saw outdoor, you know, yeah, the, it, the free, it was outdoor it,
0: fish did a, a essentially month long summer tour, maybe month and a half, you know, five to six week long tour. I saw him at the very beginning of it when we had to be in Nashville for, uh, for podcast movement and these fish shows and uh, that it, they did basically two legs with maybe, you know a week and a half off in between them and the first leg which included when i saw them in nashville there were no you know there were no mandates of any kind it was just come on out and enjoy yourselves every show was outside for this whole thing uh but as they got to the end of that first leg and were approaching their two week off you know uh period week and a half off period they said okay we fish are mandating vaccine or negative test for all the shows in the second leg of the tour. Uh, and I think the day they came out with it was exactly two weeks prior to the first of those shows. So I guess, you know, if you hadn't been vaccinated and you wanted to do it that way, instead of getting a test, you could have like tried to go and get the Johnson and Johnson that day, you know, whatever, like, it, you know, it, it barely enough time, maybe, but certainly tests are fairly easy to get right now. And uh, and and they they, you know, with a negative result. Uh, yeah, they'd let you in. So, but, it, but this was, this was not necessarily the venues mandating this though. It may have been driven by that. I don't know, but if certainly, you know, if all the venues say, Hey man, we're going to mandate this, but the the band did not position it that way at all. It was, we, the fish organization have made this blanket decision across all of these things. And, um, and, and I, and, you know, and, and it was, this was sort of happening at the same time that I started thinking about the September 11th gig and like, OK, well, it's great that we have this vaccine, you know, mandate for that particular gig. And I was noticing how great I felt about that. And I was like, huh, do do I want to, you know, dance in the waters of being the band that mandates vaccines? And then saw Fish do that. And I was like, OK, well, let's see what the reaction is. Of course, there was, you know, plenty of reaction on both sides of the issue, as you would expect. And it's like, yeah, this is what I kind of want to avoid. <laughs> Is that is exactly that, you know, I, I we don't we don't talk politics on the show because I stay like to stay out of that mess for all the same reasons. It's just it's one of those. I don't want to get into a fight with the people that, uh, you know, that that we that, that we, it, you know, to say that, that you, I mean, you're our audience is true, but I, I see it as so much more than that. I see it as we're all in this together, Paul. You and I are like the stewards of this gig gab community. And yeah. but we're all in it. And I don't want any of us fighting with each other. But, you know, we so I so I I like to just avoid things that aren't about the subject that brought us together in the first place. Right. Well, right. You
1: can avoid it by by leaving the responsibility of the venue and only playing the venues that support. You your could
0: certainly. Position. Yeah, that's a little passive aggressive, but but is a way to do it for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like right. Like that's a way to do it is say, hey, sorry. But but, you know, it it's um I would, I have trouble not being forthcoming and transparent on things like that. Like, you know, saying that we fling would only, and I'm not saying this, we haven't actually had this discussion in the band, but say, you know, we, a band would, uh, would only play venues with Vax requirements. I mean, that, that, that would be the way to, to do that. And, and I'd be okay with that, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, yeah. So it's been an interesting thing watching, simply watching this evolve and watching my own feelings on this evolve over the last 30 days. And
1: well the question that we're we're going around about is like is it even at our level, even at the you know yeah. glorified we can wear is it our responsibility to preach this stuff? Right. Um and you know, you see this all the time. I mean, some I- bands they feel they've got the stage and they take and they they extract that responsibility and other other bands are like, hey, I'm just the entertainer, right? Well, I'm hired. I, I'm, this I'm, is doing, your, I'm doing my job and
0: this is your two hours to stop thinking about that, right? And and that's that's sort of how I approach it is like this isn't this isn't my axe to grind necessarily. Like I, I'm I I don't I don't I don't like seeing bands get on stage with an axe to grind at all, right? Like you you're you're here to entertain, like great, entertain. And um and so to to you know to have that there it was easy for me to say i i i don't i don't want to be involved in in doing that to people but watching my own reactions of you know those nashville shows i wore a mask for a lot of them these shows mm-hmm. in shoreline i did not um and i realized you know it's all calculated risk i realized there's not no guarantees on on either side that you know i would have been protected or not protected or you know any different but I you know I felt more comfortable wearing a mask in Nashville for more of the time than I certainly did in uh at these shoreline shows. So I you know noticing that and saying okay wait a minute you know that mandate actually allowed me to forget about covid and enjoy the show more. That mm. was sort of right that like that was the part of it like well if my job is to entertain the first thing I need to do is make people feel comfortable and then I can entertain them. Right. You know? And so it's that, ah, wait a minute, this is not a, a political thing. This is a, you know, if is this really a thing that, that does make most of the people here feel more comfortable? Ah, well, then, uh, wait a
1: minute. So, let me flip this around audio a little bit because yeah. um, like this gig we just did on Saturday, there were a lot of people there Yeah, and as the pictures are post, the conversations on social media like you went to that how many people how safe could that have been you know like sure you're always going to see that yep well you're really going to see it right now
0: well that's what i mean right now
1: you're going to see it yeah yeah of course yeah so i i think it's a really it's a really interesting one you know you can just speak through your actions like i said only you know only choose gigs that 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 you know you do have that right. So i I actually don't think that it's passive aggressive. I think that that's just a viable strategy. If like if you your personal belief is I would like to only be part of oh. events that are that are you know promoting good safety, and you're going to choose those types of things. I think that's that's. Totally viable. I mean, yeah, yeah, I was thinking of it.
0: The passive aggressive part is more just choosing those venues so that you don't have to look the, the, the decision you've made in the face. Right. Uh, Yeah. Fair enough. So I, I I would, yeah, if I were going to do that, I would, I would make it clear. I am, you know, we are choosing. You'd own it. Yeah. I'd own it. Thank you.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. But I, you know, it is one of those things. Mike Mendoza a sax player in my band. Great musician. A working musician teaches during the day, gigs at night. You sure. know, and that's what I mean, right? He said in the middle of the of the thing, he was in no rush for the House Rockers to get together, to rehearse, or no rush for the House Rockers to get together and to play. He said, you know, in, in our time on this earth, we have not been asked to sacrifice like every other generation has, whether it be war or disease or whatever sure. is going on you know so for us to have to just stay home <laughs> you know for 6 months or a year that is not a big sacrifice and sure. so he had a he had a fairly deep philosophical perspective and my point to this is you know we're dancing around you know the the subjective ethics of what we're doing with regards to covid and you know that type of thing sure. and that's why i'm saying there's this phase 2 if you want to call it that of now we're to vax mandates or are we shutting down again or are we you know, what are we going to do now that we've had a vaccine we have a vaccine we have 18 months of history about what's going on we have a lot of medical data there's a lot more information than when we started all this when things shut down you know in march of that's absolutely 2020, right. right yeah yeah right but it is part of our life so i i, I would say that in that uh the the hesitancy to make a comment from the stage because it might be considered political isn't that the problem? It's not political; it's science.
0: Well, isn't that but, like- but Mike, people don't. I am not a performer of science. I am a performer of music. Now, you know, I but he, like for example, I also do a podcast called Mac Geek Gab, right, where I I teach people and answer people's questions and and true and yes, guide people and share my opinions. About you know, using your computers and your technology. I never I, I'm, I'm and I would I, I think it's fair to say I'm an expert on that. Right. I never have told people from the stage at a bitter pill or a fling gig. Hey, now, if you have an iPhone, the best way th- here's something you should do. Right. Like it's the wrong venue for that, even though I'm an expert. I am not an expert at science Mm. or politics. So I am definitely not going to get on the stage anywhere and pretend or or say things that an expert might say on the stage where they are uh, expected to do so. It's just the wrong venue for that. That's my issue with it. I have no problem, you know, when I was going to say if, but when an artist, you know, talks about politics or anything else, in, in another venue, right? You know, if in, in an interview or something like that, sure, that's great. But unless it's truly part and parcel of the art that brought them to the stage in the first place. And, you know, you take somebody like Arlo Guthrie or, you know, Bitter Pill. Definitely there's, you know, political leanings. You in, buy
1: a ticket and that's part of what you buy in a ticket.
0: You here. know that that's part of this artist's vibe, but it's not part of my vibe uh it's never been
1: part of flings vibe and so you know interesting way to look at it my wife my wife is in that camp that shut up and sing.
0: shut up and sing unless your entire audience has has come up knowing you to be someone that preaches and sings or or Mm -hmm. instructs and sings maybe instruct is a better word right you know so the question is should we be instructing our audiences and the answer is if that's what you do then do that but if that's new think long and hard about whether that's a thing you want to start. I, adding I agree to with your that. show.
1: Yeah. I, I like the way that you said that. I agree with that. I, my instincts and certainly in this last show is to go there without going there. And I don't, I don't think it's a cop out and I don't think it's passive aggressive, but you know, comments like be cool to each other. We're going to get through this, you know, that type of thing without, without there's a, there's some imaginary line somewhere that, that my instincts are saying, stay away from there. Sure. But It is, you know, I am the person getting them to clap their hands and jump up and down and, you know, (laughs) that type of thing. Which is which is part of your
0: vibe. That's right. You are instructing your audience to clap and interact with the music and and other things that other bands might not do. And that's also okay because people know that's you.
1: Yes, there is. There is a sweet spot of encouraging people To interact with our music in a responsible and safe way so that we can do it again the next weekend. Sure. Right? Yeah, of course. So, yeah, that's what I was saying. My instincts are more like don't preach, but almost feel like an obligation to be like, yes, we are in this incredibly weird scenario we all know it it's not the elephant in the room we all know it yeah no it's good to acknowledge it for for
0: it i think yeah
1: yeah yeah yeah. and i guess maybe you know follow your instincts i guess is the fairest Mm -hmm. thing to do like like you said if you never have had the reputation as a band of of coming out with positions on things if you were to start doing that it could hurt your brand. It could make you seem ingenuous. It could make the shut up and sing. People get really angry. Yeah. You know, so, you know, it, it, you know, there's a risk if it's not if it's not the way that you do things. That's right. And and but flip side, if you are a band that people look to for Social Satisfaction, which is something a really good band can elevate themselves Absolutely. to. Absolutely. You know, Then yep. you figure out if, uh, yeah. How about that for a title, Social Satisfaction?
0: Social. I like Social Satisfaction. I, I was going to make it more about instructing your audience, though, because I think, well, <laughs> because that's a bigger, like, you know, <laughs> that's that's actually what this is about. That's the decision you need to make. Do you instruct your audience? And how do you instruct your audience?
1: I, I will keep Social Satisfaction as a potential song title, though, if that's okay with you
0: Yo, it's I, I think it would be it would be a great song title
1: yeah, yeah. i can't get no
0: that's correct that's correct <laughs> that's 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 been that's been proven over and over again in the last last well you know few decades so there you go yep yeah. hey 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah man uh so it's interesting let us know what you think feedback at dot podcast.com we'd love to hear from you uh, what you're doing with your bands, what you want to do, what you've been thinking about, what you're choosing not to do—that would be—it would be helpful. Quite frankly, you know, selfishly, I would love to to hear all of that feedback because I'm struggling with this and uh, trying to figure out the the right way to do this to make both me and you know the band and our audience um, comfortable as we move forward because. Outdoor gigs are one thing, indoor gigs are another thing, and we,
1: I can't. I canceled both of our upcoming indoor gigs. Interesting, yeah. We
0: don't. I don't think we have any indoor gigs on the books. Although this barn gig on Saturday technically indoors, big barn, but it is you know four walls and a ceiling, so um, so we do have that, and yeah, it wouldn't surprise me though if I come back on Gig Gab on Monday. Uh, next week and tell you that this gig was nixed because you know, people got too concerned about, you know, COVID and all that stuff uh, yep. that it, it, you know, it, it's, I, I could see it going either way. Um, yep. yep. So we had one last question. Uh, we actually, we've had, we have a lot more questions, but we're only going to get to two of them today. So, um, this one I will, I will say comes from Mr. X. And, you know, I had it all up on my thing, and now I have no idea where it is, Paul. Why I can't I... F- oh, yeah, there's my mailbox with all the great stuff. Uh, yes, right. So, uh, Mr. X writes in and says, looking for some advice. We have an older gentleman that plays bass in our band and has been with us for over two years. But he is now in the middle of early-onset dementia. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, and declining very quickly. He has his good days and bad, but is no longer consistent with his playing. He's a very cool guy and we love him deeply, but we know he's holding us back. We're lamenting over letting him go and trying to figure out the least evasive way to do it. If you've had any kind of experience with this sort of thing or have any advice, we would love to hear it. Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. Um, Yeah. um, I, I, I don't, I'm trying to think I've played off my, most of my life. I have had the great fortune of playing with people that are older than me. And I, I've loved that because uh, they tend to have a lot everybody that I've played with has, has, has taught me things, but, um, but playing with people who are more seasoned is, is even, you know, icing on the cake. But I don't think I've ever run into this kind of scenario. I've run into people that say, ah, oh, you know, I'm too old to be carting equipment around anymore. I don't want to play as much. Like I've seen that for sure, but I have not seen, you know, truly this kind of health, you know, especially. let me, let
1: me try this. Yeah, go, you know, I have uh I have two guys under fifty in my band. Uh and I would say two or three guys over sixty in my band. Wow. All right. Yeah, I think. And sure. you know, I've had this the philosophical discussion about this and you know, here's the thing. Most of the guys in my band have you know, almost 20 years of tenure in my band, right? So, you know, Mr. X has two years. It's a little bit different. But I would, my reaction to the question is, if your band is a business, I guess you have to take care of business. If your band is a social, you know, a collection of friends, I think you nurture that along, you know, for a while. But I do think it's actually reasonable to start the conversation and be like, hey man, you know, it's, it's getting a little tough. You know, can we have an honest conversation about where you are? And I think that that's a bro thing. Actually, I think that's a loving thing. If you do it right. Yep. If you just fire the guy tomorrow, that's wrong. That's right. Wrong. Again, yeah. if, it, if it's a business, then, then you, you know, it's an employee thing and you know, you make that decision. But if it's a, if your group is a bro thing or even a hybrid of a bro and a business thing or a sis, I guess, you know, I use the term bro, not, yes. not inflammatory. Right. Yeah. A, friend, but I think, a friend's thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, my position with the house rockers is no, nobody gets fired from the house rockers for a, a, a non intentional series of events. Sure. Some, you know, if some guy doesn't practice, you know, something or doesn't come prepared or is late or, you know, that type of stuff, we nurse him that kind of thing back to health. Yep. But if a guy, you know, the only thing that would get you fired if you're actively trying to hurt the band, if you're, if you're, if you're actively trying to hurt the band, that, I understand, yeah. that would be the only thing that I would move someone. So we're, we're a bit of a hybrid. We definitely, you know, guys depend on it, on the money of it. But, you know, this amount of time in 20 years, you, you're not going to get, you're not going to get fired for your chops falling off, for example. And, you know, that it has been tempting to have a, a conversation with someone about something like that in the past, but it, but I came to the ethical decision that, um, you know, people have given their heart and soul to make this a good thing and they all have their individual fans. In the case of something that that is deeper like dementia, I do think if it's a bro thing, it is a loving thing to have the conversation and say, hey man, you know, maybe even tape a show or something like that and, you know, kind of share back, you know and i don't know when someone is entering stages of dementia do they have any awareness to other people around them maybe bring it up or they yeah. you know, Is it possible that they're you know getting some getting some care already but i that that's the way i would draw the line if you know if you're a, a, a wedding band or a you know a corporate band and you know everybody's income depends on this it, it to me it's kind of a you know you still do it humanely but you know you kind of have to take care of business but like most people who listen to us i would think there's a there's kind of a hybrid mix of things and I think the humane thing is to try and nurture someone and prepare them that that, you know, to get to the end of their performing career and uh if that's what it's gonna be, find a way to honor their contribution, you know, sit ins or whatever it might be from time to time. But, you know, it's also not fair to the other people in your band if if your band is going down. And maybe maybe where you start is, is everybody in the band on the same thing yeah, about it. That's it. Yeah, it sounds I mean, if, that's a great place to start. It sounds like
0: maybe they are in this particular scenario. Um, But I think that's the the first thing to do is say, OK, is it just me? Am, am I reading more into this than than any of the rest of you are? It, you know, let's talk through that because it might, you know, whatever the reason is, I think this one is probably pretty clear. But you know it might be like oh I you know this whatever this person's doing or whatever's happening to this person is driving me crazy. Maybe somebody can talk you off the ledge, right? <laughs> like that that yeah. can happen. But yeah, to have that talk is this negatively affecting the entire band in in a way that is um, unfixable? And in this case, you know you're not like unless you've got some magic in the band, you're not going to fix someone's yeah. dementia, right? So you you know you. But then, you know, I would in a scenario like this, I would involve if the person has a, a you know, a partner, a spouse or a family member, or so, you know, figure out who is caring for them and and have them at least somehow involved in mm. in the this conversation, maybe not present for it, because that may not seem appropriate to to, you know, to your band Uh but making them aware that, look, we're we're going to deliver this news to this person and uh-huh. and, you know, a handoff of sorts so that, uh, you know, you know, you need to know that you're going to need to support this person that's about to receive a blow. Some bad news. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, you know, there's no one answer because you no. know, there's a there's 500 different, you know, variables that can go into this. That's right. Yeah. But, you're, you know, holding up to the light, like how would how would you feel? You know, right. and how would you want to be treated? Like, you know, and again, if, if it was me, I would want to know if I was hurting the band and I would, I, that would be the thing I wouldn't want to do. But some other people that, you know, they just wouldn't be able to see that. And, sure. and if, and if this guy is one of those guys who just literally won't hear it, then you're going to have to, you know, you got to figure out how far the bro rope goes and you know, how, how far you can, sure. you can nurse this along, but you know, Again, if it's if it's dollars and cents, I think it's a it's it's to some degree easier. But if if it is like so many people who, you know, my situation, many of your situations, you got to kind of take into account. You know, will will the spouse be supportive or significant other be supportive of it? Yeah. Will the person be receptive to it? You know, is your band on the same page about all this type of stuff? Is there a ramp? How bad is it? You know, how long right. can you live with it? Right. Right. So you know, I I I think you kind of got to. Pro and con your approach to things and just kind of give yourself some ramp, you know, to, you know, you'd like to, you'd like it to end. So everybody feels as good as possible about it. It may not be possible. So everybody feels
0: respected. I mean, I think that's the right. That's the goal here is. And and I if it were if it were me and and the scenario is sort of as I've been painting and, you know, we involved whoever their family member or whatever that was going to care for them, uh, I would. You know, as the conversation was wrapping up, I would tell them, hey, by the way, you know, uh, Tim knows about this. You know, we told Tim that you were going to be, you know, we were going to be delivering this news to you because we wanted Tim to, to be able to support you. So Tim already knows. Uh, Tim doesn't know any specifics about what happened in this conversation because Tim's not here for this conversation. But Tim is there to support you. And and then, you know, truly kind of. Have that handoff so that so that when when, you know, the bass player gets home and tells Tim the band fired me and Tim says, yeah, I know he doesn't feel betrayed. Right. Y- you know, it's like, oh, yeah. no, you, you you know, there's we're not keeping any secrets here. We thought about this. We respect you. We wanted you to have support after we walk away from you, which is effectively what's happening. or maybe you're not walking away. Right. Maybe you're still friends after the after the fact. You are just not playing in a band together, you know sid barrett certainly uh lived that role for a long time um it's it's a well-paved path so you know and and that's worth considering is like are you never going to interact with this person again is this goodbye forever or is this you're no longer our bass player but you're still one of us
1: well i can i can give firsthand experience of that so when, when we had to replace joe our drummer right yeah so Joe is my musical soulmate. We like the same bands. We like the same music. We like the same clothes, as the song says. And, um, you know, Joe was having, he was, he was frustrated that, like, we had a really hot summer, and him schlepping his drums, setting him up, playing a gig in the heat, you know, it took its toll on him. He actually went to the hospital from dehydration. That's bad. It was bad. And so we had a conversation Is it time. And as emotional and heart-wrenching as that conversation was, it was a, you know, we hugged each other and we, you know, we, we, we talked about it. And again, Joe was my guy, uh, is my guy. And, um, I, I wasn't, you know, he wasn't the founding drummer of the House Rockers, but he might as well have been. He'd been with me almost from the beginning and I love him so much. It was, it was as hard on me as it was on him, and on everybody, because he was, you know, was just this great personality that people associated with the band. So, the little things that you can do to, to exit with respect, you know, I wrote a really long tribute to him and thanking him for his contribution making the band what it is, you know, did a little pictorial of him. Yeah. You know, we did a, a, the last gig, we turned into a party. Him, he's another Springsteen fan, and and one of the last songs that we did together was "Born to Run," and there was not a dry eye on the stage, and those who knew us who were in the audience, you know, were in that moment together. Yeah. And I think Joe, you know, I I I I, I would believe that Joe felt because he, he took his role as a drummer very seriously. I mean, he yes, was a, he did. He, yeah. his identity as a musician was a very is a very important part, and um, I was determined to end this chapter with as much dignity, respect, and appreciation was, is a very big part of it um, as possible. And I feel good. I miss him every day, but um, he's not dead. (laughs) I I, I miss him in the band every day. Yeah, of course. um, You know, we replaced them with someone that he felt good about. He had a little bit of a voice into that decision. And so there was a transition and, you know, Again, you say you play with older people. I play with some older people. There's, you know, a lot of classic rock bands are going to be older people. If you're playing music from the 70s now, that music is 50 years old, buddy. So, you know. <laughs>
0: please, please don't remind me. I have a birthday. Yeah, coming
1: up. <laughs> there you go. So, um, you know, this is a very, very useful discussion because, you know, what constitutes when someone's at the end of the line in your band is something that you think about. I mean, you kind of like want to ignore it and hope it never comes, but it's right. coming. It's coming. It, for all of it, well,
0: it, 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 in some way, shape or form, it happens. Right. You know? And so, yeah, it's, yeah, it's an interesting subject. I, I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the question. Hopefully we, hopefully we gave you some, something that's helpful, but, uh, or at, at least it certainly this was helpful for me, but you know, hopefully helpful for other people too. Yeah. So, Yeah all right well, that's what i got for today man you got anything else
1: nope this was uh we went into the mailbag it was kind of cool so yeah I like thanks it. thanks everybody we actually have quite a few queued yeah. up for more discussions We're, but
0: yeah it's overflowing so we will we will dig deeper next week so yep yeah cool thanks everybody for hanging out with us thanks for uh staying subscribed gigab and uh make sure to check out bandzoogle that code gigab 15 percent off your first year it's good
1: and and always be moving,
0: You were pretty much the whole time. I saw you. You were living ah. the dream.
1: Okay. <laughs>